Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's going on? Welcome into the final Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. When I mean final, it's the final one regarding player recaps. We're not going anywhere, but... As boys and men did sing, it is the end of the road. And Jim and I were singing that before we began this podcast, but we promise you guys we will not do that right now as both of our voices are not meant for singing. They're barely good enough to talk on a podcast. So we welcome back Jim Mike and Offer from Pelicans.com. Jim, I thought it was only fitting as we've had a great amount of guests, whether it was Andrew Lopez, Will Guillory, Christian Clark, Joel Myers, Todd Graff, Nini Aaron Hardigan, you name them all. I figured it was just good for us, too, to kind of close things out since we've been a, a part of this full ride. But hard to believe here after three weeks that we have come to the end of the road as far as these player recaps are concerned. Yes, a, a very definitely a fitting conclusion to these player re- recaps, as you said. You know, I was going to go in the opposite direction. I was hoping that someone was recording while we were singing so that maybe there would be a record contract in our future, that maybe that would be part of the way that we would spend some of this offseason was, you know, in sitting in a studio and and performing our beautiful vocals that's on me i was not recording at the time we were singing Mm. i'll make sure we do that maybe we'll just once we're done with this we'll just record the song on our own and then we'll send it in and maybe we're not doing this anymore because we're we're stars going on tour together you know that sounds good right that would be a very uh strange and exciting turn of events (laughs) to see how that how we conclude our pelicans podcast Definitely. As they say, don't quit your day job. And I think that's what we'll stick with right now. Let's talk about James Johnson here as we wrap up the Pelicans podcast. We wrap up with him because he spent the least amount of time with the Pelicans out of all the players that we have talked about. But let's start with the trade that got him here with the Dallas Mavericks as James Johnson and Wes Awundu uh, didn't make their way to New Orleans in exchange for J.J. Redick and Nicole O'Malley. And we talked about the trade deadline, thinking how active it might be. And then sometimes it turns not to be an active one. For the Pelicans, I think that caught everyone off guard as far as where J.J. Redick might go and then uh, who the Pelicans get in exchange for him. How did you evaluate that trade uh, when it went down and, and how did it kind of play out for both sides? Yeah, it definitely seemed to catch people off guard, including J.J. himself. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> you, you, mentioned how, you mentioned how, uh, you know, the James Johnson, his minutes. We, uh, I, sh- I guess I should could point out that we kind of set the, or I kind of set the minimum of 500 minutes played with the Pelicans for how we determined of which players we did season recaps on. 
he played 539 minutes for the Pelicans, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you factor in, he didn't get here until the end of March in the trade deadline. And you also add in that the players that were traded to Dallas, JJ Redick and Nico Melli, James Johnson actually played more minutes for new Orleans after the trade deadline than those two players did combined for the Mavericks. And um, between the two of them, Nico played 19 minutes in the playoffs. JJ didn't, didn't play any. So even after you factor in the postseason, um, James Johnson was on the floor more for new Orleans than, than those two guys were. And Wes Awundu also played a decent amount of minutes. It wasn't enough to make our cutoff line, but he still was on the floor a decent amount. So um, James made a, made a nice impact. I mean, he, just like um, we talked about with Najee Marshall yesterday in the player recap for him, the, the Pelicans needed guys at the end of the season when the, a bunch of injuries happened, they needed forwards, they needed players to fill in at multiple spots. And James was, was um, very valuable during that stretch of the season for him to be able to be on the floor. And not only, it wasn't like he just played a bunch of minutes and that was it. He was pretty productive as well in the time that he was on the floor, especially right off the bat in the first few games that he played. Let's stick with that, Jim, because that was where I was going to bring you next when we talk about the first few games. And look, when he was with Dallas, he really wasn't playing much, if not at all. And then he gets to New Orleans, and then all of a sudden, based on the injuries for the Pelicans and based on necessity, he comes in and not only plays, but was very impactful, especially in those first three games. Yeah, he averaged 17 points a game in his first three. He had 17, 16, and 18 in those. He was also 7 for 14 on three-pointers combined in those three games. So it was it was interesting because it seemed like, you know, he's not known for offense, but he was able to somehow, maybe partly based on the 12 years of experience he has in the NBA, he was able to jump right in and do well in those areas. His, his shooting percentages definitely dropped off over the last few weeks of the season and his percentages um, didn't finish at a, a super high level, but, but he definitely gave, I mean, we, we knew that he was a good rebounder, a good passer. He's had good assist numbers throughout his career, but his scoring also was, was really uh, beneficial. And when you have Zion and Brandon Ingram and, a cast of other thousands of other guys that were all injured having offense from whatever sources you could get it from definitely was important at that part of the season. Not only was his on the court presence felt, but I think his presence off the court was certainly felt as well with some of the young guys. Look, we talk about it all year long, fifth youngest team in the NBA. And then you had a guy that's been in the league for 12 years and James Johnson that's seen it all. I felt like that just, especially with him playing so much really helped them on the court. Uh, when they came to James Johnson's leadership abilities. It seemed like, you know, I, we're experiencing all of this from afar, but it, it definitely seemed like he fit in really well, was very well liked by a lot of his teammates. And he also enjoyed his, you know, six or seven weeks that he was here at the tail end of the season. Um, I noticed in the interviews at the very end of the regular season, as well as the day after that, a couple guys mentioned when they were asked about things that they need to improve in their game, I think it was Jackson Hayes talked about how James Johnson is a guy I kind of want to model myself after or, or focus on one area of my game in terms of being able to catch the ball and make plays off the dribble and be able to see the floor. So there were not only just the way that James carried himself off the court, but also some of the things he did on the floor. I think some of the young guys took a look at that and maybe said, you know, this is one of the ways that I can be in the NBA for a long time. Just being able to, it's always valuable to have a guy who can fill in in different areas of what you need. And it seems like James is, is definitely one of those players that, I mean, he 
if you need him to score a little bit, he can do that. If you need him to rebound and play defense, he can do that. But, and also, like I mentioned, just his ability to pass and get set people up for open shots. And if you also needed someone on the floor that maybe needed to back up a teammate, I mean, this is a guy that has some MMA background and some karate background, holds whole family full of black belts. Uh, it, it probably felt a little comfortable having that guy on the floor. Everyone kind of needs that enforcer on the floor. Not saying he's going to do some karate chops or some MMA moves on the court. I don't think that would end up well for anybody. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that kind of training can also lead to, to some to some veteran leadership and some presence when you know some teams lack that enforcer, that guy that can push someone on the ground. We've seen it kind of in the Atlanta Hawks series with guys backing up Trey Young. Um, when, when yeah. some guys wanted to get involved with him, I, I think James Johnson was one of those guys that you want behind you uh, in a circumstance like that. His nickname on basketball reference is blood sport, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've never heard anyone in the NBA be referred to that way. So, but you're right. I mean, one of the things that David Griffin mentioned after the season was uh, on his list of things that the team needs to focus on was toughness. And I think that's definitely an area where, James Johnson gets high marks, obviously with his background that you mentioned martial arts and he's sp spent time in, in off seasons, boxing and training that way. So, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that no one would, would want to mess with that guy. So if, if, you know, if he's on the roster and the Pelicans get in some playoff series, maybe we'll see uh, that part of his, his game come into the, to play even more. Did you let basketball reference know that they took your nickname in blood sport that, you know, you had that originally and then James Johnson was afterwards. Have you let them know that? Yeah. I mean, I thought I had that thing trademarked. I thought that was, you know, out of bounds for anyone else to, to um, take over from me, but I don't know, I guess that there maybe there was an email or something that they got lost in their filter somehow. Before we wrap things up with Jim blood sport, I can offer here on the Pelicans podcast presented by C geek. Um, let's talk about the offseason in general, because as we mentioned, this will be our last one for a little bit. Um, in about two weeks, we'll come back with the draft lottery. So everything has been pushed back a little bit, of course, with the, the NBA finals not ending until July. Then you have the Olympics, um, but also based on how the schedule went with our regular season ending on May 16th. The offseason pushes back a little bit, Jim, but it should be an interesting one come two weeks from now uh, when the Pelicans will find out where they're being drafted. Then a month later, um, who they will get or what will happen with the draft and then shortly after free agency. So even though we talk about a little bit of a break, um, just kind of like the NFL too, the NBA is starting to become a, a year round, you know, sport where everyone's just talking about it uh, every day. Yeah. It sounds like next season is going to, based on everything that Adam Silver said is going to start on time based on what we're, we've been used to over the previous, I'm not sure how many years where we're looking at October 22nd through 25th ish start to the regular season where it's kind of the second to the third to last um, or second to last Tuesday in October. So like you said, that is going to shrink the off season for everyone a little bit, even the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Um, but I mean, quickly, we're, right now we're looking at June 22nd dra draft lottery, July 29th is going to be the draft itself. Um, August 2nd, I third, I believe is the beginning of free agency. And then this August 6th is when teams can officially sign guys. And August 8th is the beginning of summer league. So that'll be another 10 day thing where the summer league teams out there are playing. And uh, I mean, once we're used to summer league ending kind of mid July with the ending in mid August, you really are talking about just a few weeks before um, to me, Labor Day is kind of the unofficial start to the season in terms of that's usually when guys start to return for voluntary workouts. And you really, 
can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as October 1st is usually when training camp begins. So it, it is going to be pretty compressed. I mean, it's not going to be a lot of time. We got to make sure we get our vacations in, which I'm, I'm about to do. Um, but as far as the draft this year, I mean, I think one of the key things to note for the Pelicans is that they could have had the, the Lakers first round pick if the Lakers had not made the playoffs and moved up in the draft lottery into the top four. Obviously that didn't happen because they made the playoffs based on beating Golden State in the playing game. But that pick is going to is going to um, convey to 2022 and it's an unprotected first round pick. So, I mean, I'm not, not sure how much we're going to get into this today, but I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more down the road as we get into uh, draft coverage. But I mean, obviously there's a bunch of picks coming the Pelicans way and the, the Anthony Davis trade could end up being the gift that keeps on giving over the next few years, as far as unprotected first round picks swap rights for the Lakers and the other um, years. So, I mean, this is no secret. I think people are going to be watching the Lakers closely to see the, you know, obviously the, the, their fortunes during every upcoming season are going to directly affect the draft status of the picks that the Pelicans have come in their way. And I think it's safe to say as much as a lot of us root against the Lakers, it gives more incentive next year when you're scoreboard watching. I remember that was the case um, in 2012 with the Anthony Davis trade as the Pelicans had two first round picks and they were watching how the Minnesota Timberwolves were going to do. Cause that was the pick that was related to New Orleans ended up being uh, number 10, but still it kind of feels like that with the Lakers, especially with a first round exit. I'm curious to see how their off season goes, but also curious to see how the Pelicans off season goes as well. We're not done yet with the Pelicans podcast as we'll be back in a couple of weeks when Jim is done having some fun in the sun and his yacht um, out in the Caribbean somewhere, he'll be back and we'll go over the draft lottery, the percentages for each team, the ping pong bowls, the balls, excuse me, and what to expect from that day. And then come mid July, we'll be back with our draft preview podcast as we'll talk to, you know, some of the teams ahead of the Pelicans and get you ready for July 29th. And then I'm sure once free agency hits and summer league hits, Jim and I will be back for some more podcasts as well. So you can't get rid of us for, for, for too long. We'll take a little bit of a break here, but come two weeks, we'll be back uh, on your phones, on your radios, wherever you may be listening to us. So Jim, I appreciate the time as always. Enjoy your vacations and uh, we'll speak again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Daniel. And I hope that the number of people that we enlist to talk about the teams picking before the Pelicans is extremely minimal. But yes. obviously, the, obviously, the percentages would dictate that it might be seven or seven, eight or nine people that we need to bring on. But hopefully it's uh, a lot less than that. Hopefully we're talking to people out after us and where they might pick after the mm. number one pick. That's maybe mm. where we're going here. But again, that's the odds are not in our favor, but you never know what can happen. They weren't in our favor a couple of years ago when the Pelicans got Zion Williamson. I appreciate everyone that came on the Pelicans podcast. As far as the player recaps are concerned, we mentioned it. Joel Myers, we talked about Aaron Hardigan. We're talking about Will Guillory, Andrew Lopez, Christian Clark, and Todd Graffanini. I think I've gotten everyone in the course. Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Hope you enjoyed him. Hope you learned a lot about this year's Pelicans. And hopefully next year when we're doing these, we're doing these a lot later in the offseason with a playoff run to boot. All right, until a couple of weeks, for Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CG.